everybody. Welcome to the First Timers Podcast Show, where we offer insight, tips, and advice for first-time or long-time home buyers, sellers, and investors. I'm your host, Mikey T, personal home consultant, real estate agent, homeowner, and investor. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at First Timers Podcast Show. Today, we're going to learn about what the role an architect plays in the building of your dream home. And I have this amazing talent across from me, Paul Rugarber, owner of PDR Designs in Point Pleasant. Paul, thank you for coming on the show. I think we got uh, someone's Facebook Live streaming through something. <laughs> that is awesome. I feel like I was like, hey, there's an echo here. So you could follow Paul right now at PDR Designs on Instagram. And you could go to his website of his firm, pdrdesigns.com. Paul, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm, I'm excited. So I connected with Paul on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I started following you and uh, and some, you know, we kind of, we I reached out or we reached out and we, we met up and this guy isn't like a born life coach, I swear. <laughs> Before I started THS, uh, my company, it was really like in, in the brain phase and we kind of sat down and, and you started asking me some questions that really got my brain like, man, like, whoa. Like I, 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 we met with, and I had no expectations on what our meeting was really about. I just like connecting with people and networking and, and you know, uh, and I was like, man, this guy seems like someone I'd like to network with. But like you instantly turned into like life coach, man. And I was like, whoa, man, this guy got me thinking. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love to think about things differently. And I like to get other people to think about things differently. It's okay, what are you doing now? What can you do differently? And am I getting the results that I like in my life right now? If not, what do I need to change? Because we all know doing the same thing all the time, you're going to get the same results. So if you want different things, what can I change? And you make small changes and you get the results that you want. You just keep tweaking things. You know, it's the way businesses go. It's where personal lives go. If you want to get the results in your personal life. So I like to instill that in others and help them out. Yeah. Well, you know, most of the time when you meet someone in another industry, they're kind of pitching their product and what they do. Right. And, uh, it was just, it was a nice feeling that like, that's not how like our meeting went. And I was like, wow, like, uh, I really, I don't know. it, It was a great feeling to kind of connect on a different level. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, I know what you do. It's pretty, you know, you're an architect. You do design work and, and you go into your office and you see all the beautiful work you've done. So, but but the way your mind connects on like a, you, you turn it to a different level. And, and it, I could just imagine as a client, it, it's how you look. You try to unpeel those layers, mm-hmm. you know, on a client because you were unpeeling layers on me. I wasn't even ready for it. Right, <laughs> it's right. like I wanted to do a therapy session without paying. It was right. great. <laughs> I, I, I like to help other people, and that goes back to the clients. Why do I do the architecture? Because I love helping other clients. With that, I love helping other businesses. So anytime you can look at that and you can gain, give someone else value, then it's going to come back to you in some way. Yep. So whether that's you know with a client that you're working with or just someone that you meet up uh, for a cup of coffee or something, if you can reach out to other people, you can help them, then good things, you know, karma, universe, whatever you want to call it, uh, things come back to you. So definitely, I enjoy helping other people and reaching out and doing that in not only in my business, but personal life and anyone else I can help. Well, I'm, I'm glad we connected and uh, I'm, I'm glad that now you're kind of in my sphere of people mm-hmm. that, uh, that 
I will definitely always have your, your top on my mind. You know, if someone's like, Hey, thinking of design or something, you know, and it, it, it's, it's just from, you could have those quick little connections with somebody that could just change, you know, course of, of someone else's, right. uh, of life or something. And that, that helps you stand out also, you know, like I'm a little bit different. So people are going to remember that hopefully. Yeah. And so, you know, I could just pitch you about what I do with architecture and that's uh, not going to be as effective, but if I can give you some value, if I can show that I'm interested in you, I care about what you're doing, your personal life, your business life, then it makes a difference. And people remember that and they'll want to come back and say, Hey, I like, I like that guy. I like his approach. I want, want to use him. Definitely. Well, before we get into things, Tell everyone, tell me, what were you doing before you became an architect and what brought you into design and architecture field and eventually owning your own uh, practice? So I'm the youngest of four kids, uh, raised in a strict family, I'd say. <laughs> um, my grandfather was, was a big influence in my life. He, he could, he, you know, when he grew up, it was horse and carriages, and uh, he rode his horse to, wor- uh, to school, actually. Where, where did he grow up? In Trenton. Uh, so it was a long time ago, right? <laughs> yeah, <was> um, <laughs> and so he was a big influence because he could build anything out of wood, out of metal. He did everything in his life. I still have his tools hanging in my office because I think that's a real cool connection yeah. to, you know, like hold something and say like, wow, like he held this, he used this. Um, my dad was in in the army. He was an electrical engineer. And then he was uh, started a remodeling company after that. So I've been around construction my whole life and I love doing models and just being curious about how do things go together? How do you build things? And I enjoyed putting stuff together and getting that result of looking at what you've done. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to do something along those lines. That's kind of my passion from the beginning. Uh, went to decide to go to college for architecture since I love the construction industry. Um, didn't want to be swinging a hammer my whole life because that's a tough life, you know. It is. Uh, but I've done that. I, you know, I can do all kinds of framing, trimming, and anything else. I built my house, designed it, which is really great. But went to school for architecture. Uh, actually, started a company for designing and building playhouses. Was my first company. No, uh, really? I only did one of them uh, <laughs> for a friend, but it was a real good learning experience. Yeah, that is it was awesome. A really cool tree fort. Was that while you were in school? While I was in college, yeah. Oh, that is. Um, but so that was fun. So that was the beginning of it. Yeah. And then I got out, I worked for a couple different firms, and I always knew I wanted to have my own company because I just wanted to be able to control my own destiny. Um, So that's what I did in 2008, finally went out on my own. I built some design, built some real cool projects up to then with other firms and said, like, I want to do this. Um, So 2008, economy not doing real well. Yeah, I was going to say that. that, That's a tough time to get into the... uh, to any part of the construction right. industry. But, you know, they say if you can if you can make it through that downturns, then you should be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so we made it through that, and 10 years later, we're trucking. We're located in Point Pleasant Beach, and uh, I love it. You know, I love what I do every day. Now, where did you open up your firm when you first opened up? Was it uh, First out of the house, and then uh, from there we went to the Lakewood Industrial Park, uh-huh. and then from there we moved over into Point Pleasant Beach. Awesome. So we got a real nice office there. It shows, you know, kind of our character, our flavor uh, with that motivational stuff. I got, you know, quotes on the walls and quotes from the Dalai Lama and other <laughs> people. And that's what, you know, we start each team meeting uh, Monday mornings with everyone with a, a quote and we go through different things. But, you know, positivity is our thing, giving customer service, you know, treating them the way I would like to be treated if I was, you know, going to somewhere. I want to be pampered. I want to be cared for. I want to know that they're interested in me, not just another client. How many uh, 
how many team members do you have now? Right, we have two full-time drafters, an office manager, and a bookkeeper. And then wow. uh, we have interns that you know kind of come and go as we need things. Mm-hmm. Now, they, I guess they're all a part of an architecture program, right? The interns? Yes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, so two full-time drafted, that, that means you, I mean, you're doing quite a bit of work. Yeah, we, we turn out yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, we got some nice projects, and you know, some things, the, the clients take a long time to make decisions, so yeah. it may take a little time to get it going. So you always have to have a, a nice backlog of things that you're working on for when you're waiting on a decision on something, then, okay, now I have other work to work on. Now, when did you move into your new office? Uh, last August. Last We've been August. there just over a year. Mm-hmm. And it is an awesome space. Thank I mean, you. you walk in and... It really uh, showcases kind of your personality, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah, we get a lot of comments on it. People enjoy the space, uh, like to be there, and like the feel of it, and gets yeah. display uh, what we do. Yeah, it's not a, like a static, just a white office space, you know, right. storefront that mm-hmm. I've been into other agencies where you walk in and there's a million plans just all over the place, and it's like, hey, mm-hmm. we're an architect. What do you need? Right. And where when they go into your spot, it, it's really you get that feel instantly when you walk in. It's it's a warm feeling. You showcase some of your work there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I could it 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 definitely brings you in. Mm-hmm. You did you did a great job. Thank you. Yeah, we're supposed to be creative people architects, right? Think outside the box a little yeah. bit. So if your office doesn't show that, then it's probably a bad start. Yeah, I think well that maybe some some architects must fall into that like shoemakers uh mm-hmm. kids thing. Like you know right. I could do great things for other people but I don't have time for myself. Right. Uh, well I think it's important for the clients. You know it is it all goes back to that experience. I care about them. I want them I want to go to a nice place every day that yep. I enjoy going to and I'd like a client to go in. If I was going into an office, that's what I would expect is, you know, let me go somewhere where it's, oh, this is cool. I like this. Uh, you're 100% right. I actually, I chose um, for my company, THS, uh, Bell Works as my work mm-hmm. location. And instantly when I walked in there, I loved the architecture of it. I loved the vibe. And whenever I bring a client there, it, it just, they instantly forget about that we're there for business mm-hmm. and they're bringing out their phone, they're taking some pictures. It, it's, it's amazing how your environment could just change how someone feels. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll bring in a client and we'll, we'll take a walk around the whole building first right. while we're talking. Mm-hmm. And now we're building a relationship. Right. We, I don't even bring them into the office spot. They, they don't need to come into the office space. We, we sit down in the middle. There's like a cafe area, go to Boosker, do get a coffee. And it's just, Having that right environment, mm-hmm. it's. I think it's very important, and uh, yep. you know, and and you achieved it where you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it puts you in a different mindset of when you're comfortable there, when you enjoy the the place that you're around, puts the the clients in a better mindset, so you can talk more comfortably and find out, you know, what are their pain points, what are their goals, what do they want to do, how can you help them, and it makes it more relaxed conversation. Yeah. So, all right, thank you for that information, but let's get into some of this. Uh, this uh, information here about, you know, the role an architect plays in building a dream home. So some people, they are either going to buy a lot that's that's not built on yet, mm-hmm. or they might find a home that they're just going to demo, or they're going to take a home and have you just remodel it. Right. Uh, there, there's multiple facets of, of how you're involved in this, mm-hmm. in this process. And, you know, for a lot of home buyers, 
that's that's one of their options. You know, mm-hmm. are we going to either build new, or are we going to find something and renovate it? Right. Maybe we're going to take it down to the foundation. Um, but before they even get started that far, what do you think are some of the steps people should take in choosing an architect? Because that that's that's an important, you know, getting that team started and, and kind of solidified really mm-hmm. could set the bar for the rest of everything. Right. So I tell people it's relationship based. So look at it and don't make decisions for whether you're talking about your architect or your contractor, don't make it solely based on financial things, but look at the personality of them. Do you get along with them? I mean, you're going to be spending ultimately on the project, you're spending a lot of money, probably one of your biggest investments you ever make. So you want to make sure that it comes out right. And you're going to be spending a lot of time with these people. So you want to make sure that you have a good bond with them. You have a good relationship. You trust them. And you know that they're looking out for your best interest. Because if they're not, you're not going to be happy with the project when it's done. And every time you're walking in your house, you'll be thinking, oh, this and that stupid architect. screwed this, here. And this guy, right. So you want it to be pleasurable. You want to look back and say, like, oh, I love my house. I think this is awesome. I had a great experience. And that all goes back to the beginning of making sure that – you know, the architect has done similar projects, that you feel that uh, faith, that trust in them, that you get along well with them personality-wise. You understand how the, the billing is going to go, how the time frames are going to go, who you're going to be dealing with. Um, th- that's important steps to understand because if you just go in and say, okay, who's the cheapest person, you're not going to get the result that you want. You know, you don't do that when you're looking at a, a car. You don't just make the cheapest selection or when you're looking go out to eat you don't just make the cheapest selection what you're doing you, you want, get what you pay for a lot right. of times and so you want something of quality and so you have to pay for that but it's know the relationship with the person is probably the most important thing would you say you should pick the architect before the contractor or is that's it, what i would this say. is like the chicken <laughs> and the egg you know so a lot of people don't know the process and they don't understand where should i go first so you know, you're driving around your neighborhood and you see down the street, oh, this you know, person's working on this house and you know the neighbor and they say, oh, yeah, he's doing a great job. And you call them and say, hey, I want to do an addition or I want to tear down my house and do something new. Can you do it for me? They're like, yeah, do you have a set of plans? And like, oh, I didn't know I needed them. Like, you know, they just say, okay. <laughs> this is the conversation I have all the time. <laughs> right. So then, then you say, okay, here, call my architect, call Paul, and let's get a set of plans started and then I can give you a price for it. Uh, mm-hmm. But people don't understand that connection. So, a lot of times we get a lot of referrals from contractors because the people go there first, which is fine. If you know, go to someone and they can refer you to someone good. Um, but you need to start with an architect. And I look at us as like kind of the quarterback of what's going on. So we can pull all the different pieces together and we can help you select a contract. Or if you have one, you can use them. Uh, we can get site engineers involved, landscape architects, whoever it is that whoever else is needed for the project, we can coordinate all that. But starting with the architect, is key, I think. Now, I would say for someone that that doesn't have already a contractor in their circle, mm-hmm. I think it's it's pretty important to start with the architect, just because you're going to have a certain type of uh, design flavor to what you do, mm-hmm. and other architects have a different flavor to what they do, and I think that that matters a lot if they go with their friend that's a contractor, but then that guy picks someone that doesn't do the type of work you Mm -hmm. had envisioned, then it it was kind of a waste because you're going to get an end product that you hate 
Right, and that's why it's important yeah. to see the work that the con- the architect has done, so you know, okay, they've done similar projects like this. The same way you're not going to hire a tile guy to be the general contractor on your addition or new house. You know, like yeah. he doesn't. Maybe he's done some stuff, but he doesn't have that scope of work that he can do that whole project like that. So, you want to make sure that they can handle your type of project and that they're well versed in it. See the type of work that they do. Make sure you like that and personality too. Now. You, you find a, you find an architect that you want to use, someone like yourself. Are there certain questions that maybe you should ask this architect as far as uh, schooling, certifications, uh, insurance, stuff like that, background of, of, you know, what I mean, you had a background that, mm-hmm. you know, obviously would show me that you understand the construction process from my perspective of, right. as a builder. There's times where I work for architects that, I've never done that, mm-hmm. and everything is just well. Do it as build, you know. Right. You figure it out, and I'll make sure that it so it's okay. Mm-hmm. And then I go, man, like I, I'm not getting paid to do. Like I need to frame this tomorrow. Right. I don't. I don't need to think about it. Right. But uh, someone like yourself has been there. Mm-hmm. I think you have a little more practical knowledge. But are there certain things that maybe people should ask an architect besides looking at their work mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I I like the way this guy designs. I like their the like everything they do, maybe let me find out a couple more things. Right. So the, the background, you can ask about where they went to school, but I don't think that's super important. As long as you have a degree, mm-hmm. um, everyone should have insurance. It's probably a good question to ask. We carry insurance. Um, what, what type of insurance does a, an architect carry? Is it basically just liability or? Well, there's liability, but that doesn't cover anything like re- relating to the job site. It would be an errors and omissions is mm-hmm. what they call it. So that if we forget something and the building falls down, you know, you're covered uh, from our policy on something like that. If it's a construction issue, then that's entirely different. But as far as the architectural, if we miss something, um, then we have insurance that covers. I'm not talking about like, oh, we didn't call it a a trim detail or something, but something big structurally. Yeah, major uh, issues. Major issues, and we have insurance that covers that, uh, which is a good thing to have. And then that, you got to carry that on. You know, if I end my insurance today, then the projects that I already did aren't covered anymore. So, you know, you got to make sure that they have current coverage. Uh, but no one's ever asked me that, which is fine. I guess they assume yeah. that, you know, you have something like that. But the other certifications I don't think are that critical as much as that um, type of work that they do. And then checking references, find out from the past few customers, you know, did they like them? Mm-hmm. Now, are most architects also... Uh, structural structural engineers. There, so, and it, so there's architects and then there's engineers, mm-hmm. right? Right. So part of the, the difference there is an architect can design structure for a house. It's not a problem. But so we're versed in in school. We take classes in that. Uh, but then there's structural engineers. So a structural engineer can design the structure. They can't produce a set of drawings for you to do an addition or a renovation. They could design the structure for it, but they can't give you plans that you're going to be able to go to the building department and get permits. That they're not allowed in the state of New Jersey to mm-hmm. do that. So you would need an architect to do something. It, when we run into issues where we have like crazy structure things, we'll get a structural engineer involved or foundation systems. Sometimes we'll get a structural engineer involved um, that we hire uh, that comes into the project to help us out with it if it's something that we're not comfortable with. But all the other, you know, beams and floor joys, everything else in the house, we design in-house. Okay. So, so, and you don't need a separate engineer for any of that? Correct. We don't need it, yeah. but as we get into, like, more complicated systems yes, or yes. things, then we'll bring someone else in. A um, little off topic, but what about in a case of someone's buying a house, mm-hmm. uh, we all come into – 
the situation where there maybe there's some foundation problems, mm-hmm. maybe uh, floor is kind of a little wobbly and mm-hmm. up and down. Uh, do you suggest calling an architect first and seeing how much they'll take on? Like, would I call you first, or would you tell a buyer, "Hey, maybe you should contact X engineer." You could do either one. So I've gone into houses when people are buying them to take a look at it and to say, okay, we know we got the report back and you know we know there's issues here and here. Can you take a look at it and see what it is that we would need to do to fix it? Um, so we can do that. We can also get a structural engineer in to take a look at it. So mm-hmm. both are qualified to do something like that. Uh, when you get into like foundation issues, typically we'll recommend getting a structural engineer in to do something like that because those get – a little trickier and they're more uh, well-versed in something like that. Uh, but either one you can go to. For a, An architect, I think, is going to give you a more broad, encompassing look at things. If you have a specific issue structurally that you're concerned with, most of them fall into the foundation category, then you know either your architect can get a structural engineer in or you can go right to them. Yeah, because I, I would think that most issues we face on the real estate level are they start at the foundation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything right. starts down there, and, and then that transfers all the way up into the into the building. Right. Yep. So, all right, awesome. So, now you've picked an architect. What are some of the motions? Uh, you know, uh, a customer is going to play or, or go through as far as getting the the project started. Uh, what are some of the questions you might ask? Um, well, I guess we could start on maybe like the renovation side and then we'll, mm-hmm. we'll kind of go into the, the new construction. So if we're doing a renovation or an addition uh, in which you're putting new loads on an existing foundation or building a new foundation because you want to do an add-on, things we recommend having a survey so you know what you can do with the site, what the zoning constraints are, you know, where the house is located – Uh, what we can build. So that's the first thing is getting a survey, Uh, getting a soil boring. Most towns, uh, we require that because that's going to tell me they drill a hole. It's about six inch diameter hole. They drill down 20 feet. And then that's going to tell you all the different soil types that you have because we run into houses that have, you know, they're sitting on peat or or they have bad soil somewhere. You need to know that when you're designing a foundation, depends on how big it's going to be and how deep it has to be. Uh, so those two pieces begin with if you're in a flood area, you need a flood elevation certificate to begin. Um, so those would be the critical, let's say, paperwork things. Now, I know some people are listening to this and they're mm-hmm. going, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, I guess maybe the first conversation is l- let me explain like the money that you're going to initially come out with, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So the budget is one of the first conversations we have. So when we're sitting down before we even start a project, I like to make sure that what they're thinking they're going to spend on it construction-wise is what we think is realistic. Now, we're architects, so although I've built and I understand the industry, doesn't mean I have all the current pricing on things because people always say, well, give me a ballpark. I'm not going to hold you to it. But we could be off quite a bit depending on where the project ends up going. Yeah, the finishes could – I mean, there's so many different aspects to the job. Like you right. could get the structure, the frame, and every that part correct, mm-hmm. but then they could go crazy into finished carpentry right. and different type of flooring, and they could blow it. Mm-hmm. They could double that cost. Right. And some people don't like to answer the question of what's the construction budget. So I start out and I say, okay, are you comfortable spending fifty thousand or five hundred thousand? Like, oh no, 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 not that. We're we're thinking about this. Okay, so you yeah, had they, a number. They, in they always mind. have a number. They <laughs> but, just don't want to share it. Right, but sharing a number is critical because then I'm gonna. It's gonna help me guide 
them in what they can do. If they say they want to do this crazy expansion, that's great. We can do it, but that's not with the budget that you're thinking about. So let's make sure that what I'm drawing, you're going to be able to build. So that budget conversation has to come into the you know, our initial discussions as to what we're doing. So after we have that, then these other conversations of, you know, whatever you need, the, the survey and flood elevation certificates, soil borings, they're just part of the process. It, it has yeah. to be done. You know, you can't not do some of these pieces, but it depends on your situation. If you're just doing interior renovations, maybe you don't need any of that. Um, so it makes it simpler. But as an architect, my job then is to find what are your pain points? Like, why do you want to make these alterations? What spaces are you looking to gain? What spaces are you looking to alter and why? So that I can then guide you better as to if you're thinking doing something over on the right side, maybe we're better doing it on the left. or Maybe we can push out something to accomplish what you want, but in a different way than you are thinking about it mm-hmm. to create the result that you want, but just a little bit differently. I mean, that's what we do. We try and think a little bit more creatively to come up with different options, different solutions for you. Well, yeah. And y- you are in the field and you, you see things differently than most, most homeowners, mm-hmm. most buyers. Uh, you know, they, they kind of think one way, mm-hmm because they're not around it enough to see the other options right. where you come in and you're able to break down all the walls in your head and say, okay, we could actually do this. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's important that you have that creative ability. Do you find it sometimes difficult to explain what you're, what you're seeing to someone? And I know there's many times um, at a house showing a house and I'm going, no, I mean, we, we could, you could definitely do this and we can move that around. And they just kind of look at me cross-eyed like, I don't right. see, I don't see what you're talking about at all. So I, I find it easy to explain, but sometimes we find that we're talking different languages. So <laughs> I could be explaining it and thinking it's super clear and they may be thinking something totally different than what I'm talking about. That's why I think drawings are great because we can, we can talk about things all day long and have different visions. But if we start sketching it or drawing it, then, okay, I see what you're talking about. And then we get into a lot of uh, 3D models, rendering, whether using SketchUp or something else, because people, even with the two-dimensional drawings of a floor plan or an elevation, it's, you know, I'm used to reading it, so I can understand that other people aren't. So when It you makes get it, sense to you. You do something three-dimensional, and then they, okay, I, I really grasp it here. So part of our job is to communicate. And, you know, I tell my team, drawings are our method of communication. That's how I communicate with the building department of what we're doing with the contractor of this is our vision. And this is how you should implement it by drawings. Uh, so we got to make sure that when we're communicating with clients, it's the same way. Do I, do I need to do a different drawing? Do I need to do a, a 3D rendering? Do I need to show them a picture of another house, something that we've done or something that someone else has done that, okay, this is what we're talking about here. But that communication is uh, critical in the project and making sure that the client understands what it is that we're trying to tell them uh, in a clear way. And however we have to do that, accomplish that goal is, you know, that's our job. And it's it's important that the architect or whoever you're working with reads the other person well. Yes. You know, because you could work with someone that is just like, hey, this is the drawings. I don't understand what you mm-hmm. don't understand, <laughs> you right. know. But I think it's important that more important than the contractor because you have to get it through their head exactly mm-hmm. what they're, you know, that's going to be built. Right. I you want know. them to understand it so that we're not building something and then they're like, I didn't realize it was going to look like this. So our communication up front, and you talk about listening to them, 
you know, that's part of communication. It's a two-way street. So if I'm just talking to you, I'm not communicating. Yeah. Really what I need to do is listen to what you want, talk to you, and then make sure that you understand what we just discussed. So that's, Follow their body language, right. kind of watch them as they're mm-hmm. listening. You right. can tell when someone is completely lost. Yes. And uh, they're, if they're going through the process where they're hiring you, a contractor, they're definitely investing some money. Mm-hmm. This isn't, uh, you know... A two thousand dollar bathroom little right. remodel, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's great that there's professionals like you that will actually you you do that legwork so then the contractor could do their work without right. getting hit over the side of the head like mm-hmm. whoa this is you know I didn't think it was gonna look like this right. and, and have you come across people in the building process that after the frame is up they go no I hate mm-hmm. it. Yeah, they're, they're I hate been, it. Like, what, I, this is, it's this small or mm-hmm. that, that closet's really right there. And you go, man, like, it's been in this piece of paper right, for we, eight we months. We went over this. this <laughs> you know, you got to look right. at, you can look at it every day for eight months. Mm-hmm. You know, now we frame it. And I, I know that after we frame, we kind of give the customer a chance. Hey, listen, everything good? Mm-hmm. Right. You want to do a walkthrough yeah, with a them walk and through. make sure you understand the spaces now because this yep. is what was on paper. This is what it looks like built before we finish everything up. Let's make sure you're not looking to change anything. It's a lot easier to change it when it's just studs when, than when everything's finished or mechanicals are in there or something else. Have you, have you ever had where it's been all through that? It's sheetrocked, trimmed, and then the client came back to you and was like, I need to ch- make changes. We haven't had that issues or when everything's done but sometimes after things are framed up people look at it and say oh you know i want to make that window a double or i want to move this around or i was thinking if we do something different here you know we can change things or like you said relocate a closet or uh, so sometimes people see it differently or they've thought about it and realize oh, i want to use the space differently Mm -hmm. uh, once it's up and so then you can you can always make changes in the field uh, for things like that, it's easy to do. Yeah. Now, what are some of the challenges uh, a buyer or a homeowner will face when going through that remodel phase? We'll talk about the remodel first. Uh, you know, uh, so they have a house. Now they're. But the biggest challenge is understanding what's going to happen, the expectations of cost, expectations of time, and expectations of disruption to their lives. So if you're talking about doing an addition that doesn't affect the main house too much, that's one thing. If you're doing a whole second floor addition, then maybe you got to move out of there. Uh, so understanding how long are you going to be out, what's the inconvenience to you, what kind of things do you need to take down. If you're just doing a renovation for part of the house, okay, does it affect your kitchen and your bathrooms? Are you going to be able to live there? Do you have running water? Do you have a kitchen to work in? How long is that going to take? You know, like the expectations of what they're thinking and what the contractor is thinking. The contractor's done it before. So he's like, okay, right, this is what I expected. The homeowner most likely has not done it before. So they're thinking, oh, maybe a couple of weeks or maybe there'll be a little bit of dust. Like, no, like, there's <laughs> going to be a lot of There's going to be a lot of dust. <laughs> and it's going to be every day and there's yep. going to be people in your house at whatever, 7 or 8 a.m. Uh, so understanding what's going to happen and that comes, you know, a good contractor is going to walk them through it, you know, and understand, hey, this is this is when we're going to start really interrupting your life and you're going to have to move out or you could stay here, but 
this is going to be semi-functional. We can relocate the fridge to the kitchen while you're working or something. Uh, but understanding that aspect up front so that there's a clear communication and the expectations are met. When people have unrealistic expectations, that's when there's a lot of conflict and issues because they thought it was going to be one thing. The contractor's like, well, no, why would it be that way? But maybe they never conveyed that to them. How about having the conversation about future uh, change orders, mm-hmm. uh, the unexpected stuff that's going to now pop up once you rip open the walls, right? all that uh, unforeseen stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so any renovation, there may be surprises when you open the walls of, you know, thinking the framing runs one way and it goes a different way or there's, you know, no wall studs or termite damage. Did one recently and the termite damage was extensive and no one had any idea before it never come up. And so that caused, okay, now we got to open up other walls and we got to replace headers and beams and things that weren't anticipated. So it drives cost up, but some things like that, there's, it's not like a choice of, oh, well, no, I, I won't do anything. If, if it's falling down, you need to you, fix you it. You have to fix it. Right. If there's other things that you decide along the way, the client says, no, I want to make the bathroom bigger. I want to change this. So, okay. So then you can <clears throat> understand the cost of that up front and say, okay, it's a roughly a $500 change order, it's a 5000 it's a 50000 whatever that is, so that you understand those numbers. And then that depends on how you're doing your contract with the contractor, whether you're doing a, a cost plus, which is basically whatever the cost of the project is uh, for materials and labor, and then putting a percentage on top of that for the contractor, mm-hmm. or if you're doing a fixed fee where, okay, it's going to be you know, 250000 and this is exactly what you're getting for that fee. Now, if you want to change the tile or you want to add windows or do something else, then you do a change order for that and say, okay, now this is an additional $5,000 for this item. You sign it, it's approved beforehand so that at the end, you don't want surprise. You don't want the contractor to come back to you and say, oh, here's another 100000 in change orders. Remember those things you wanted to change? Yeah. Yeah, so that's important. <laughs> To ask the contractor, hey, if there's a change order, if I request something, are you going to tell me at the end or are you going to tell me up front? Because that stuff should be discussed up front. Absolutely. Again, you don't want changes like that at the end to come up and surprise you of whatever, whether it's 5,000 in change orders at the end or 50 or 100,000, whatever that is. Uh, Being up front with an understanding, again, it's the expectations uh, and the communication of understanding how that's going to occur along the way. And that's the scary part about doing renovations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get even in all construction, but uh, in renovations as, as the homeowner, having, having that trust in your contractor, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of crooked contractors out there. Sure. And, like any, uh, any industry, any you run industry, into them, right? Yeah. Um, I think contractors, for the most part, have the spotlight on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen it in, in in my experience these contractors mm-hmm. and I some of it's rightfully uh you know it's 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 there because it's it's there. Right. Uh do you offer like management services for the whole project so that they mm-hmm. could say hey listen Paul we we're going to run everything by you mm-hmm. before we do anything. Yeah, so we can do, we call that the construction administration phase. So we can help them select a contractor. We can interview the contractors with them and kind of guide them through, be there and ask the questions so that they can see what they hear, what they like the person is saying. Um, we can ask kind of the right questions to them so that these things are covered and we they know how change orders are going to be handled. They know how the contract is going to be. 
Um, we can help with whatever it is that they want along the way. We deal with a lot of second home owners. So they may be in Florida or New York or somewhere else that they're not always here. So they want us to keep an eye on the job. So even though you hire a contractor that you trust, sometimes they like to have us there also and just looking at things each week or each month or however they want to do it and guide them along the way. This is what's going on. Uh, Yes, you can release payment on these things. We're not there to inspect every aspect of everything that's built. It's what the building department is for. But we can be as involved as they would like to give them that level of comfort that someone else is watching out for them also. Yeah, I I think that's very important. And I I actually integrated that into part of my my new company Mm -hmm. is the construction management, but as an outsider, not as the GC. Right. So that someone can have somebody else there. Like, hey, does this make sense to you? Mm-hmm. You know, they're asking for a change order. Or they're they're trying to charge me five thousand dollars for this. Right. Does that make sense? And I think it's important. Either you use someone like yourself. You find out if your architect does offer that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to have somebody that's not the contractor on your side. I think right. it gives you another level of protection, especially if you're not well-versed in that industry Mm -hmm. where maybe, or you have enough knowledge that you could kind of see through the smoke. Right. Um, There's just so many bad situations I've heard about. Mm -hmm. And I think having that is important because I think homeowners in general want to trust. They want to trust their contractor. Mm -hmm. They want to trust their architect. And they, they, certain people will, they'll see that happen and they'll take advantage of that right yeah and, and we I, can also guide them whether using you know the architect as that someone like you as construction administration um you know do you give a huge payment up front or do you not some people have you know given huge deposits and people walk away with it yeah. so you gotta that's why you gotta trust the person um having the architect or someone else that you trust um interview with you is good to help you and then guide you on when should you release payments what should the payment structure be should it be just based on time, okay, it's been two weeks, you owe us this much money, or is it based on, okay, we've finished the framing, now you owe money, or is it the beginning of a phase? Okay, we're starting sheetrock, now money is due. So when when should money be due? What's something realistic so that you don't get taken advantage of? Definitely, and it's, it, so I, just a, a, a quick glimpse into why I think this is so important. I know, I know the contractor in this story, mm-hmm. and, uh, he, so he he went and got a, a deck job mm-hmm. from the client. He got a thousand dollar down payment. The client said, "Well, we're not going to do the deck now. We're going to do the deck in the spring. Mm-hmm. Can I have my down payment back?" And he he obviously didn't have it, mm-hmm. so he said, "Well, I already ordered the materials, and they're actually going to be delivered, and I was going to bill you for another two thousand. Mm-hmm. So." The person gave him the other 2000 and he said, well, don't worry about it. The materials are going to get dropped in my yard, and when we're ready to do it, just let me know. We'll get going. Mm-hmm. So now this homeowner's out 3000 There's no materials anywhere. Right. And, you know, what he's doing, a lot of contractors do, they, they, they take from Project A to start Project B, mm-hmm. and they take from the end of Project B to finish Project A. And then they take the end the end payment of Project A to start Project right. C because the C money paid for part of B, mm-hmm. and and it's it's jumping around. Right. If that person had someone like yourself or myself, th- th- I I know you or me, I would have said, well, we're 
tell me the distributor. Let me talk to them, see if they can mm-hmm. take this material right. back. But even before that step is making sure that you hire a good contractor. And so when people look at things solely based on money and say, well, this guy's the cheapest, okay, well, maybe there's a reason that he's the cheapest. But it, always, it doesn't necessarily mean the cheapest guy is going to do that. Maybe the more expensive guy is going to do that. But yeah. making sure you trust that person, you follow up on the references because – it's worth spending a little bit more money on this project than you thought you might have to in order to get the result that you're going to be happy with. Because when you have a bad experience with something like that, you're going to be pissed off every time you're in your house. And exactly. You don't want that. And now I know this person, and he's always gone back. He's made. He was able to get from B to pay back for C, mm-hmm. and and I don't think this person's going to be without lumber, and he, he'll finish the deck, and mm-hmm. however he gets those funds, it's going to happen. But that's just because I know this one person. But there's many people I know that don't double back, mm-hmm. or they get three quarters of the way through the project. Now they got to they start project B. Mm-hmm. Project A is done because right. I got now I got money from project B. I got to start working there. And then it's they're just bouncing around. Now you're in litigation. Right. They're telling you, "Oh, it's raining. We'll come back next week." Mm-hmm. So my son was sick. This is happening. Right. And, um, and it, having someone on your side, I think, is very, mm-hmm. very important. I don't care if it's for renovation. I think even for new construction. It, yeah, absolutely. I've seen new construction where, um, like a clean-out pipe was facing the block wall. Mm-hmm. Some stupid like that, and you go. You know, the, the the person that was walking through, she never noticed it. Right. And it was a friend it. of mine. So I, I was like, well, you, you better, you got to tag that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, like, how are you going to clean out? Right. You know, and uh, the, the door was stuck on the toilet, mm-hmm. but it was stuck inside the bathroom. So you right. couldn't even close the door. Right. It, simple stuff like that, that sometimes people just walk by because mm-hmm. they don't they even don't think about. It at the time. I think that... Uh, Pay the extra for the mm-hmm. management service right. for the right. administration. Or I would rather people build something a little bit smaller than they were thinking because I don't want them to stretch their budget out. Like maybe all you have is 200000 That's everything. So don't do a project that's going to cost you 200000 because if you run into issues, then you're stuck. Or then you're going to be finding the cheapest guy because you want to maximize everything that you're doing. Yeah. Do it a little bit smaller. Give yourself a little bit of leeway in there, a little comfort hire a guy, you know, maybe you're paying a little bit more than you thought, but really that's what you should be paying because you're getting the quality, you're getting the peace of mind that you need, you should have. So if you spend less, you're going to get less and you're going to be unhappy in the end. doesn't mean you need to hire, you know, get a gold-plated renovation, but you got to pay for the service, level of service. And the biggest thing between the, the bottom guy and the more expensive guy is the hand-holding, that level of service, not only with the main person you're dealing with, but all the subcontractors. Because if you have the cheapest guy is going to hire cheap subcontractors that just want to get in, get out, get paid, uh, whereas the guy that's going to take some more time, he's going to cost a little bit more, but his guys are going to care. Those subcontractors, guys are going to care, and you want those people to care about your job. And if you don't have that because you weren't willing to pay for it up front, then you're going to be unhappy in the end. So you don't need the most expensive guy, but you got to make sure you're understanding what it is that you're getting. When you pick the cheap, cheap guy, there's a reason for it. There's always a reason for it. When it comes to new construction, what are some of the hurdles you think people face? Now, I I know in new construction, there's cheap, cheap guys there also. Mm -hmm. uh, And they become, you know, that competition... You know, it's out there, and, and you're, you know, as a GC, we're bidding against them. Mm-hmm. 
And we tell our clients straight up, we're not going to be that cheap guy ever. Mm-hmm. We're right in the middle. You know, we're not the, the most expensive guy unless you want us to be with all your finishes. Right. But we're reasonable, but we have good subs and we're on the project every day. Mm-hmm. We're not leaving you hanging. We're available for phone calls right. whenever you need us. We'll come out for any fixes. You're not left hanging mm-hmm. ever. Um, but when uh, someone's looking to build new construction, what do you think are, are some of the, some of those hurdles that they're going to face? Probably the, the biggest thing is not understanding the time frame because there's so many different pieces that are involved when it's new, um, different permits that are required and different approvals that are required that it takes time to actually get started. You know, so once once you can get through that phase, but you need to understand that, hey, it's not going to happen in two weeks. You're not going to have a permit and be building. It's just, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, so. I, th- I think that that's one thing that I tell everyone. You're looking at new construction. Your time frame is not months out. It could, you're at, you, maybe you're in, in a year and a half mm-hmm. from today. You pick an architect, you do the drawings, you do all your, your engineering, mm-hmm. your soil, all this stuff. You submit your permits. That's eight weeks sometimes. Right. Maybe they're bringing, sending back the, the drawings for whatever they want. Mm-hmm. You're not even breaking ground for months. Right. Yeah, there's months. a lot of stuff, and it depends yeah. where you're starting, what kind of uh, – if you have a site plan even to begin with or what kind of approvals are needed, if you need variances with the town or it's just a more of a streamlined submittal process. But, if you're on the shore – you, right, you may have CAFRA or other things. You know, the, the DEP, Department of Environmental Protection, may be involved um, with things, but – depending what's involved in your particular project, you have to understand that time frame and the different pieces so that you're not thinking, oh, we're going to start in a week, we're going to start in a month, and it's realistically two, three, four, five, six months, uh, could be a year. But most of them are, you know, say two months, you should be able to get a month to two months to be able to get permits. But there's so many variables, you can't yeah. just put that out as a, a blanket statement. And then, you know, getting the plans drawn, it depends how particular you are, how well you communicate to the architect what it is that you want, and then how well they take that and put it into a set of plans. So depending how involved that is, you know, depends how long that process is going to take. What do you think, as far as timing, what, what is that process, um, you know, so a, a, a typical person maybe? You know. a, a new home, it could be anywhere from two months to a year. Um, yeah. it depends on how, you know, we have a job that the owner keeps changing things. They look at it like, yeah, it's good. And then, okay, let's change this and move this. And I was thinking, what if we did a third floor over here? Or what if we pumped out over here? Like, okay. So, but those things just take time. So yeah. That's not the norm. Uh, mostly it's, you know, within two months to four months, things can be done, but it all depends on the scope of the project uh, as to what they're, they want to do. Yeah. So I think for new construction, Definitely the thing you want to think about if you're thinking about new construction is the timeline. Mm -hmm. Be okay with not having a home in six months. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Along the shore here, a lot of people want to be in for the summer, right? They don't want to lose a summer. So when they start, if they're tearing something down or building something new, they want to have it done so that they can enjoy the summers. I mean, that's what the shore is all about. So then understanding what the time frame is for design, for permits, uh, for construction, and how do you do that? And again, that depends on your finishes, your selections, and how quickly you can make a decision. Do you know what flooring you want? Do you know what uh, trim you want? Do you know what kind of bath fixtures you want? What kind of tile you want? Those things, you know, if you're waiting to make those decisions, 
it's going to hold things up or take time. If you can make all these decisions, cabinetry and everything else beforehand, then when you start to build, it's a much smoother process and you can get everything built quickly. I I was listening to another podcast and, and a contractor went on there and I thought what he's doing is genius. He basically... They spend all the time beforehand mm-hmm. compiling flooring, all the selections mm-hmm. of cabinetry, everything, and and he charges for this. Right. This is this service is it's done, and he gets paid for mm-hmm. it, and he creates a binder that it's basically the Bible of the house, mm-hmm. and you pay whatever it is five ten thousand dollars in his time. Right. But when construction starts, that bi- that Bible is basically they've run off of that, mm-hmm. and it makes the construction process uh, that much smoother. Right. I know a, a, as it's built, people are going to make changes. They're going to know, oh, I don't like the way that looks mm-hmm. now in that space. But I think overall, if if you're, like you said, if you're slow at making decisions, the, the project's going to just run longer right. and longer mm-hmm. and longer. And that that, I don't think people understand how long things could take. You know, you take a while to pick your cabinetry now you order the cabinetry now it comes in and Mm -hmm. now you're waiting for the cabinets to get in to make your countertop selection right now you make that selection now that's weeks out Mm -hmm. so now uh your your bath uh kitchen alone is taking you two months right and and you want to blame it on the contractor it's Mm -hmm. not the contractor's fault it's your decision making process but that also comes back to the contractor sometimes you can't rush a homeowner to make decisions and the project gets drawn out for that but the better contractors we find help to make those decisions up front and push them to make them up front because then once they know everything that's going in, the contractor can order it knowing, okay, it's going to take me two weeks to get cabinets or it's going to take me two months to get cabinets depending on what they're selecting. They can order it at the right time so that it's ready and they can have the granite slabs or whatever they want to go with ready so that, okay, as this goes in, then this next phase goes and they have it all planned out. If they're waiting until hey, we're ready to do the cabinets. Did you make a selection yet? You didn't choose a good contractor. Yeah, so yeah. Understanding definitely. pieces like that also, uh, that affects the time frame in a huge way. And, you know, time is money. So if you're paying on something, you know, you have a loan you're paying on and you're not living there yet, you're not going to be happy. So getting that done quickly so you can move in all comes back to the contractor selection you make. That That is 100% true. You know, the more homework you could do beforehand – Mm-hmm. And hopefully your contractor kind of gets you going on that. Like, right. hey, listen, we need to make some decisions now, even though it's months away, mm-hmm. you know, so everything's kind of just laid out so we can keep this project rolling. Right. For the contractor, it when the project stalls, you're losing money. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we're waiting on phases to be completed or – so we want these phases completed so we could build and we could get on to the next project. Right. And uh, I think it's important that you, if your contractor is not having that conversation with you, maybe you need to start having that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we live in a short area. Um, your your office is in a short town. Right. What are some of the things that a shore home builder or someone building on the shore, they're going to encounter as far as uh, maybe raising the house? where someone inland might not have to raise mm-hmm. their house or hurricane ratings, mm-hmm. that all plays into the cost of the home too. Yes. You know, the, t- the type of windows, the way the structure has to be done, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is that sometimes like a little shell shock to people where they go, oh, I thought it was going to be way less. 
then you go away. Sometimes. A lot of people that build here understand that it's a little bit more complex, uh, hopefully to clients and hopefully the architect and the contractor have explained that to them, the complexity of it. Uh, we see a lot of times that a homeowner will bring a contractor from, let's say, North Jersey or out west down to do something. They don't understand the complexities of building along the shore. There's a lot more wind loading, which means that you have a lot more strapping and pieces of metal in the building that have to hold the foundation down and hold the walls down. Threaded and rod the going from the foundation to the, to the top plate, stuff like that. Right, things like that that affect the construction. And if people aren't familiar with that or how carefully you have to waterproof everything to make sure that you're not getting leaks because the wind is tremendous down here. There's different inspections uh, sometimes for you know sheathing or the way the block goes up. Your foundation systems may be different. They may have to be on piles. Um, so there's a lot of nuances here uh, at the shore when you're building, and that knowing that up front uh, helps the client understand the expectations. But your contractor, I would recommend finding someone that's local to the area here that understands how it has to go together, has worked with the building department before, so that it's a smoother process. Definitely. I mean, when you go with a contractor that's, used to working in the mountain area of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And then now they have to do all our strapping and, and everything else. We're different type of windows that they're not used to, to having to install. And right. just them seeing the pricing of all this, they might not be able to price it properly. Correct. Because, because there's a lot more labor involved in doing some of these pieces. So if they're not pricing it properly, then you're going to run into an issue of maybe someone walking off because they're frustrated with it or going back and saying, hey, I need more money for things. Or worse, if they're not getting compensated enough because they underbid it, they might start taking shortcuts or doing things not the way they should be done because they're trying to make up time or make up money that they didn't put in their bid originally. So having someone that's familiar with this area in particular is very helpful. Definitely. And don't price shop alone. I mean, I think that's the overall like right. thing that I get out of this is mm-hmm. don't just price shop. Don't price shop your, your contractor, your, your architect. Do your homework. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the architect's putting out the designs that you like mm-hmm. in the area you're at. Correct. You know, if you pick an architect from... I don't know, Voorhees or Scranton Mm -hmm. to do a shore home. I'm sure that person doesn't have the right experience and the right knowledge of the area to kind of, to, to to facilitate that type of Mm -hmm. design where even though you, you might have a connection out there, Mm -hmm. I think it's best to use someone local that understands what the local building codes are, the local conditions are. And, uh, and then you could, you could kind of take it from there. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, I love all the information. Uh, I mean, you are full of information. It's it, it's it's awesome. So so part of the information that uh, I try to give to people is a book that I wrote. Yes, let's talk so, about that real quick. So it's uh, architecture to construction and everything in between, and that walks is designed for the homeowner. So people come into my office all the time and they say, "Hey, I don't know uh, what's supposed to happen in this process. Haven't done it before, whether it's a renovation or a new home." And so I get all these questions about what's going to go on through the process of hiring an architect, of uh, the design process, ideas, hiring a contractor, different types of contracts, the building process, getting permits, the inspections, what goes on. So this book was written to explain and answer all those questions. So I give it to every client when they come in, 
and then they can follow along during their process and say, okay, here, I'm at this point. I'm at the framing or the foundation yeah. or I'm in the design, and they can look up different see things that we've done in there they can look at different you know landscaping ideas uh interior ideas uh, whatever that is it just gives them the education knowledge of what to expect time frame wise what to expect cost wise um and all the things that can come up and we talk about the different issues that we've talked about just now so that it informs people and educates them so that the expectation level when they start a project is much better because they understand it now now, that, that book is available on Amazon. Correct. So if they go to my website. Uh, they go to P- your website. PDRdesigns.com. They can see a link in it there. They can just Google the book and uh, find it on Amazon. Or they can walk into our office and sit down with us and be happy to give them a copy. Well, and I think it's also Kindle version, right? Yep, there's a Kindle version there, too. That's, I think that's what I read it. I, I read the book before we met up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could say from a contractor standpoint, it's definitely a book I recommend now for people mm-hmm. because, I mean, it helps me out. It answers a lot of the questions that I, I don't even need to answer. It's 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 not a hard book to read. It's mm-hmm. not a million pages, but right. it gets to the point. Mm-hmm. And I think for anybody looking to get into any renovation work, um, and I, I think if there's a contractor listening, you should read this book. Buy it. Get the Kindle version, whatever. I think you'll see um, – there's stuff in there that maybe you might even forget as a contractor that right. is a part of the process, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a part of the process that might not pertain to you today. Right. You don't have to deal with. But maybe two months from now, you might have a client, and you go, man, I'm glad I read that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're a homeowner or a potential homeowner, I think if you're if you're looking to buy and you're thinking of buying to do renovations, this book is great. It gives you a rundown of the process, and it answers a lot of the questions that if you don't have someone there to ask, you're going to get a lot of that great information in there. Right. And I love when I go to a client's house and they have the book, you know, and they've highlighted pages and dog-eared it and like, look, I'm, I'm at this part and, you know, I enjoy it. So it's, it's, it's a good feeling for me to know that it's helping people and that they're enjoying the process more because they've done the research and I've helped them with giving them that information. Yeah. It, and even if you're not in this area, get the book. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if if you're... Purchasing a home, thinking of renovating, if you're going to renovate your current home or you're thinking of building new construction, and if you're a contractor, there's so much useful knowledge in there. Uh, and it's it's you could read it in probably a – I mean, you could read it really in a sitting mm-hmm. if you you know, you know sit long enough. <laughs> um, you know, I have ADD. I read it in a weekend camping. Right. Um, there's a lot of pictures. Yeah, I too. love pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's well-written, and there's a lot of great information in there, and I think that – that's just another thing that sets you apart than most people. It, it's, right. you know, the ongoing theme of what you do is just offer value, offer right. value. And, and when you're picking someone, an architect, a contractor, I think it's important that whoever's on your team, real estate agent, mortgage person, attorney, everyone should, if, if they're not offering value, there's other people out there that are willing to. Right. And I think that's what we try to do to set ourselves apart is the service, the value. It's, that we care about them and we want that to them to understand that and them to feel that way when they come into the office when they whether they're talking to any of my team on the phone or via email or anything you know we go over all those things and how do you deal with clients how do you make them feel special how do you make them feel like we care about them because we do i enjoy the process i enjoy the people i enjoy knowing that when this is all done and the project is finished that they're making memories in the house and they're 
their kids are going to be there, their grandkids are going to be there. So I'm not just putting up, you know, sticks and roofing and things, yeah. but I'm, I'm creating memories for them, which makes me feel good. You know? that, that, that is the best part about this business. The construction business is a very hard business to be a part mm-hmm. of. Um, but I love that I drive around and now I could show my son, like, I built that building. Right. Yeah, it gives you a good feel. I built that. Like, I did that when I was, you know, when we first started. Mm-hmm. I built, me and my brother, we did uh, the firehouse at Fort Monmouth. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like our first big commercial job. And a uh, shopping center near us in Middlebrook, we did the big addition to it. And it, just going there and you look at it and you walk by it and you, it, it, it's something that, you know, most other, other jobs, you, you don't have. Right. You're you know. pushing paper, you're doing things, maybe getting approvals on things, but you don't have anything tangible that yeah. we can look and they can say, hey, I, I designed that. You can say, look, I, I built that, you know, and it, it gives you a feeling of pride knowing that you've not only done that, but that someone's living there and enjoying it and is it building memories, you know, raising their family there. And that's something cool. It's something I love different. It. Absolutely. Well, thank you for all that great information, but I want to learn a little bit more about you, a little Quattro Fire, a few uh, questions to learn a little bit more about you. And the first question is, what's your favorite book? And don't tell me it's your own book. (laughs) You can't have that. (laughs) All right. I would say Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's probably had the biggest effect on my life because it teaches about communication and about how to deal with other people in a good way. I mean, that's a huge, huge part of everyone's success is how can you deal with other people? Um, and that book describes it well, and I'd recommend that to everyone. Man, I, that era era of uh, people, mm-hmm. there's so much great knowledge from that time. Dale Carnegie, mm-hmm. Napoleon Hill, yep. all those guys. And, uh, I mean, these books, they're old. Um, the Strangest Secret, mm-hmm. The Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah, I just listened I to mean, that again a couple weeks ago. They are they are gems mm-hmm. and when you when you remove the time of it and some of the wording that is not common today right. but what you get out of that i mean for me um think and grow rich mm-hmm. was the like a, Hills. that was a game changer in my life i met this this gentleman teddy caliano i never knew about positive thinking books or motivational books or anything and he said you got to read this book and whoa I was like, what the – I was mind-blown right. from that one book. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it, it led me down a path of everybody else. And you don't have to take one book as gospel, but right. you grab nuggets from all these books. Yeah, you take a little piece of it. Man, it is so beneficial. And mm-hmm. I mean, that that's uh, your book. I haven't read yet. I'm going to. It's always like on my radar. <laughs> and uh, I'll probably download the audio version because mm-hmm. now, now – I love Audible. Mm-hmm. I, yep, I, I listen bought, to stuff all the time. I bought into their monthly plan, yep. and I think I just got my new credit. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm probably going to download that today, yeah. and that'll be my next nine hours of uh, listening. Mm-hmm. Another great one, my second would be uh, Jack Canfield's Success Principles, and that talks um, just about life in general and things that you need to do. Um, but Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, by far, everyone should start with that book, reading it and understanding how do you, all the other books that you mentioned, it's all, you know, whether you're talking about positive thinking or interacting with other people, it all comes back to the same thing. How do you treat other people so that they see that you care? Because the more people see that you care, it's going to influence, 
it's going to grow your circle of influence that people like you because you care about them. You know, you're not just some jerk out there. And so as your circle of friends, let's say grows, better things happen in your life because you're finding more people that are like-minded, more people that are thinking positive and thinking, oh, how do I increase my life? What can I do? Who can I talk to? Oh, I like this person because they have the same mindset I do. And then you start to fall into groups, tribes, you know, of people that think that way. Yep. And that, uh, leads to a better life. Absolutely. I, and I, I love all of that. And, mm-hmm. and they all started from thinking grow rich and I will forever be grateful for, to Teddy Caliano <laughs> for introducing me to that. Mm-hmm. And I still, I have a, he gave me the richest man in Babylon and the strangest secret. Mm-hmm. And they are in these paperback books that are almost falling apart. And they're always with me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I always grab it, read it again, look through yeah. it, and man, it's it's a, uh, it's just, it's unbelievable. Like mm-hmm. all everything that's written now, just goes back to that. Right. It's all the same it's message. All the same. It's it's just different wording. It's different wording. It's different aspects of it. And yeah. in fact, with our team meetings each week in the office, we start. Um, with a complaint-free world. It's a book that someone had recommended to me, and it's about uh, thinking about the positive stuff, not complaining about things all the time. So I have everyone go around, and everyone on the team reads a quote from it. And we do this every Monday to begin, and that's you know, but that's part of our office culture. You yeah. know, that's the positivity. That's how we want to be known and how we want to treat others, and that's what I um, teach to my team as well. That's awesome. What's your favorite show? Uh, Shark Tank. <laughs> I love Shark Tank. Who doesn't I'd love Shark Tank? sit down and watch something, that's what I would watch. Yeah. <clears throat> I, and, and it's on like 24 hours a day on, right. on a, whatever channel. What is that? C- CNBC. CNBC, yeah. It, it's on all the time. Mm-hmm. Shark Tank, that's another show I think that kind of propelled entrepreneurism. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it made it more cool now. Right. But I find that interesting because it shows you, again, how you interact, that communication, what things um, – work with how you present something to them and what things don't work. And that comes back to majority. I mean, some people have just bad business models, but, but the ones that have good ones, how do you communicate that well? And you see some people do it poorly and some people do it well. So I always want to get better at communicating. And so I think a show like that, although it's business oriented, it teaches you also a lot about communication. It's amazing. You could take gold nuggets from everything. Yeah. Even, even a show like Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite quote? Favorite quote? Well, I got. Sure, you got a lot of them. You just, a, you a just read one I Monday. Quotes. I have all quotes <laughs> in my phone. Um, I would say Jocko Willink, a former Navy SEAL, has written some great books, uh, Extreme Ownership, and then uh, his quote is: "Discipline equals freedom." Because the more disciplined you are in your life, the more freedom you have. And people think, "Oh no, I don't want to be stuck in a routine or uh, discipline is like you're being in jail." But the more disciplined you can be with what you have to get done and the things that. I want to learn something, so you got to be disciplined in your learning and your time allotment. The more freedom you have in your life, because now maybe you're earning more money because you're disciplined in your business things, and so that money gives you freedom to spend more time with your family or take trips or do things that you want. I love that quote, and then there's another one from Tony Robbins, uh, which is uh, everyone you know, guru or you know he has his Netflix show. I am not yeah, your guru. Yeah. Not your guru. Yes. Um, but basically, he talks about changing your life in different ways and the, your mindset. And he says, "I created this motherfucker." And <laughs> it, 
that resonates with me because no one was born amazing and doing things, but you got to create yourself. So if you want a change, if you want something different, take the time to learn, find out, um, get around the people that know things, right? Or talk to other people or read books or watch a podcast or watch a YouTube video, something. But if you want to do something different, you want to create a different life, it takes work. You have yeah. to create it yourself. It doesn't just happen. People say, oh, well, I wasn't born like that. Nobody was. Nobody was. No, <laughs> so you're work on right. it. Create the life that you want uh, one step at a time. And don't be overwhelmed like you want something totally different than where you are now. You can get it. It just takes discipline. Uh, so take little steps and make adjustments. Make adjustments and be willing to be humble and look and see. Ask other people, what am I doing wrong? What do you do right? Who do you know that could help me? Ask for advice to people. Don't assume that you know everything and look to learn something from every interaction. You know, even if it's a person that, whatever, treat all people the same. And even the person that's mopping the floor might be able to give you good advice on something. Uh, yes. You know, it's a, everyone's, all of us are the same. Treat them that way. So I, I don't know. There's so much good stuff there that might even take a, I mean, I could take some of that as my next question, which is your favorite piece of advice to give somebody. Or maybe a, a piece of advice that somebody gave to you. Uh, what, what, what do you think? would be small have? incremental changes. So you can't, you know, people that get into, let's say, fitness or, or eating right or something say, okay, well, I'm just going to stop doing everything I'm doing now and I'm going to change totally. It doesn't last. It doesn't hold. So if you want to make big changes in your life, start with small adjustments. You know, wake up uh, 15 minutes earlier if you're going to give yourself some time or make that, you know, 20 minutes earlier, small adjustments like that, you're going to see results and then you're going to be fueled to make more changes. You say, oh, if I stop eating those chips at lunch, I feel a little bit better. Oh, maybe I can have my afternoon snack instead of uh, something else. I'm going to yeah. have carrots. And, and so then you say, oh, and maybe if I'm doing that, I'm going to start walking a little bit more. And now you're happier when you get home and you have a better relationship because you're more relaxed with your wife. And, you know, so you make small changes like that and it affects all different areas of your life. And you look at the culmination of those and you say, wow, like I've changed a lot. I've become someone different. It's not from a radical change. It's from small changes at a time because those we can grasp, you can change, you can make new habits, uh, start going to the gym, start walking, start doing anything at your house, but make the changes in your life that are necessary and be disciplined with them. Man, that, that is great advice. I love it. Before we wrap up, let people know where they could find you, follow you, get your book, get everything again. Let's let's give everybody your information one more time. All right. So my website, uh, pdrdesigns.com. They can see anything business-related there. They could find me on Facebook, either as Paul Rugarber. They can go to PDR Designs on there. Uh, give out my cell number because I welcome everyone to call me. It's 732-773-3000. And I like to talk to everyone. I like to help everyone. And, um, you know, I'm not a life coach, but I certainly enjoy helping people with everything that they do, whether they're clients or just friends, uh, people like yourself that we can interact and say, hey, you know, we have this bond. We have similar thoughts. And how do we how do we help each other? Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Please follow him. Get in touch with him. If you're in New Jersey, do you work outside of New Jersey? Just basically, we, we work outside. We're licensed in New York, New Jersey, and Florida, and I'll be willing to work anywhere. 
All right. Well, if you New York, New Jersey, Florida, wherever you need a design done, make sure you check him out. You're going to love his design work. I mean, it, it, you do outstanding work. So I thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing some knowledge with my uh, my uh, group of people that are listening. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been great. And I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the show. My name is Mikey T. Michael Anthony Timpani, as my mama named me. You could follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at First Timers Podcast Show. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at THS Home Advisors and at Mikey T. Sells NJ Homes. A link to all the websites could be found on my social sites. And you could pretty much just add a .com to those names and it'll bring you right to my website. Please leave a review on iTunes, share and subscribe to our weekly podcast show. Message us with any questions and topics you would like to hear about. And if you're a professional that could bring some value to my audience, please contact me. Together we can learn and grow. I'd like to end with a quote, and this one's from Benjamin Franklin. And it goes, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I will learn. God bless everybody and have an amazing week.